Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are in a series called This Christmas. This Christmas, and if you missed last week, it was a perfectly timed message last week um, because all of you had gathered with family for Thanksgiving, and last Sunday I talked about this Christmas, I will not get offended. Um, So if you missed last week and you're still dealing with offense, go watch it. Um, Today, if you get offended by what I say, go back and watch last week so you get unoffended because I'm offensive all the time. So... um, that's I'm God still working on me. But today I want to talk to you in our series called This Christmas I Will Have Hope. This Christmas I Will Have Hope. And I have a very boring title today. Um, but it, my title for the message today is simply called Waiting in Silence. Waiting in Silence. And um, hope is a very popular term this time of the year. Uh, It's something that is known for Christmas, Christmas hope, and um, when we get around Christmas time, we hear songs about hope. In fact, my favorite Christmas carol, Oh Holy Night, best line of any Christmas carol that we do, and we'll do this on Christmas Eve, is the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Right, and that line just hits different for some of us this year. Because we're weary, we're tired. I remember coming out of COVID, you know, 2020. And when we did that song, it just hit different, right? Because everybody was tired of everything by that time. And some of you, you're here today and you're looking for hope. And hope, by most definitions, means to wish, to dream, or to have a longing, right? To wish, to dream, or have a longing. And when we start watching Christmas movies, I love Christmas movies, um, we watch something with, with uh, okay, I'm still good, with a hope, I hope my mic works, right? With a hope that everything's going to work out. There's an impossible situation that we're hoping turns around. And surprise, surprise, in about an hour and a half, it turns around and what was a long shot, what you were hoping for, what you were holding out for, becomes reality and everybody's happy. Some of my favorite Christmas movies. Number one, It's a Wonderful Life. If you've not seen It's a Wonderful Life, it is probably the best ending of any movie ever made. And I love movies. I'm just telling you, it's one of the best movies ever created. When George Bailey's brother, Harry Bailey, holds up that glass and says to my brother George, the richest man in town, I ball my brains out. I'm just like, (laughs) Um, it's phenomenal. I'm acting like all these women during Hallmark movies, right? Um, Home Alone, great Christmas movie, great Christmas movie. But I think we can all agree that boy needed his butt beat. Like all that Kevin needed was a whooping, right? 
And his parents were, I mean, you talk about child endangerment. You're going to leave your kid with no family and you're going to Paris, right? And what do you see? Kevin's home alone, thus the name, with two burglars. They're coming in and Kevin shows us that if you just put some like pranks and some tricks and some traps, you can defeat, defeat two robbers that are known, you know, terrorists as they're coming into the house and you can make friends with your creepy neighbor, right? You're hoping it works out and it does. And then the most underrated Christmas movie of all time, Men Tonight. I see you. I got your back today. Die hard. Don't come at me today, ladies. I'm just saying, we let you have Hallmark Christmas movies. We get die hard, dadgummit. How a New York City policeman, John McClain, Bruce Willis, goes to see his estranged wife at a Christmas party and his kids, and all of a sudden, that skyscraper is invaded by terrorists, and there's only one man, John McClain that can save the day, right? He's got to overcome the odds. One New York policeman can defeat a whole network of terrorists. It's amazing, it's crazy. Merry stinking Christmas, right? Some of you Hallmark movies, you're just hoping it snows what they finally, when they finally kiss and they always, always do. And here it is, there's hope. Their hope becomes a reality in these movies, right? That's why we love them. We see it spend an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, watching these movies, hoping that what we're hoping for becomes the reality. But what do you do when what you're hoping for doesn't come out? What do you do when you're sitting there and you are stuck in silence and there's no movement, there's nothing happening, in fact, instead of it getting better, it's getting worse, and you're sitting there going, I don't know what to do next. I don't know my next move. I don't know what to do. In 1927, an American submarine collided with a Coast Guard vessel off the coast of Provincetown, Massachusetts, and began to sink. And the Coast Guard and Navy sent divers to assess the damage and began a rescue operation, and as the divers got close to the submarine, they heard a sailor tapping on the hall in Morris Code, and he asked, is there hope? And some of you, you've shown up today, you're watching online today, and you're asking the exact same question. Is there hope? Because you don't know how it's gonna turn out. Is there hope for my marriage? Is there hope for my kid? Is there hope for my finances, my business? Is there hope for my health? And, and, and today, I, and I struggled preparing this message. Because I, I don't like this message today, right? Because today I'm preaching with you, not at you. I, I am there, sitting there with you, not at you. And it took me till yesterday to have this thing done because here it is, and it's our first point today. And I don't like this point, but it's just a simple reality. Waiting in silence, it's part of the journey. Right, waiting in silence. There's gonna be moments, there's gonna be times where you just wait and nothing is happening. And I wish that wasn't true. I wish that wasn't part of the journey. And I would love to stand up here and just preach that everything's sunshine and daisies, but it's not. There are moments in life where, wish, where we're wishing in silence and waiting in silence is a part of the journey, and here's my problem, and here's what I know about me and what I know probably about a lot of you. I can wait as long as there's movement, 
right? Like, let's think of traffic for just a second. I can deal with traffic as long as I see things moving and going, but if nothing's moving, I'm moving, right? Like I'm figuring out a way. There's a reason I got four wheel drive in my truck, right? Like I'm moving. Um, I had the privilege to go to the Thursday night Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks game, go Cowboys. Um, And like I got to go, the problem was it was a phenomenal game and they didn't win the game till the last minute, 30 seconds in the fourth quarter, which meant you couldn't like leave the game early because it was too close, which meant we got stuck in all the traffic. And when I say we got stuck in traffic, we sat in one space and I know I'm an exaggerator. I'm not exaggerating right now. We sat in one space, did not move a foot for 30 minutes. I was like, oh my, and the two buddies I was with was like, hey, go that way, go that way, go that way. And finally we went and got somewhere. And here it is, none of us like waiting when there's no movement. None of us like waiting when it's silent. In fact, silence, even right now, makes us uncomfortable. You're like, keep talking, because it's weird. We don't like the silence, and we don't like when things aren't moving. In between the Old Testament, when the Old Testament was written from Malachi to Matthew, there's a period of time that passes that most Bible scholars call the silent years. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, 400 years pass by. That means there's no major prophet that has spoken. There's no major message that God gives for 400 years. There's generations and generations of people waiting in Silence. In fact, the, the birth of Jesus, when Jesus comes and the angels you know, show up to the shepherds and they're announcing the birth of the Savior and then the three wise men that come and honor the Lord and there's this whole proclamation and this whole announcement and the heavens are rejoicing. We hear all about this birth and then we don't hear anything about Jesus' life until he's 12 years old at the temple. He shows up at the temple, Mary and Joseph leave Jesus back in Jerusalem. That's a great sermon. They left Jesus, they left God's son. Hey, we lost your son, God. Can you send another one? Like, how do you, how do you have that conversation in prayer? Do you even say that prayer? Like, he knows, but still, like, anyways. Um, and, and so we kind of hear something when he's 12, and then we don't hear anything until he's 30 years old. Another 18 years pass, and nothing but silence. Some of you, that feels like your life and you went to a doctor's appointment, and you're waiting on tests, and you're waiting on tests, and you're waiting to get in the next doctor, and right now you're just waiting in silence. Some of you, it's your marriage, and you've been to counseling, and you've gone for months and months and months, and nothing seems to be moving. Nothing seems to be happening. Nothing seems to be changing. And you're just waiting in silence, waiting to see where it all falls out. Some of you with kids right now, you don't know if your kid's ever gonna come back to the Lord. You don't know if they're ever gonna get right and get back on track and you're going, Justin, I I just don't know what to do anymore because I've done everything. I've done all the talks. I've given them everything I know to do. I've had the tough talks. I've had the nice talks and I don't know what to do. Your finances are struggling. That business you started, you're waiting for it to take off, take off and take off and yet there is nothing and you are waiting in the silence and you're sitting there, you're sitting there and today you're like, man, I just need something to hope for. And you're like that person in the submarine. Is there any hope? You know, you can survive 40 days without food. You can survive three days without water and eight minutes without air. I don't wanna try any of those three things. 
But can I tell you, it's really hard to survive a single second without hope. And some of you, you've been trying to survive seconds, minutes, days, weeks, months, and years. And people everywhere are looking for hope, but here's the problem. They're looking for it in the wrong place, right? They're looking for hope in all the wrong places. They're looking for it in their relationships. They're looking for hope in, in their bank account. They're looking for hope in that next business. They're looking for hope at another church service. They're looking for hope in, in a counseling session. They're looking for hope by affirmation. They're looking for hope and they never find it. Why? Because that's never going to give you long lasting hope. And if you are going to find hope, you gotta look in the right place. And in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, let that sink in, because that's really good this morning. I pray to God that the source, he is the creator, he is the originator, he is the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is my prayer, is that you will pray and you will find the source of your hope to be the Lord. And let me let you know our second point. When God is your source, you can wait with confidence despite the situation. When God is your source, when God is the source, when God is who you are waiting on and where you derive hope, can I tell you, you can wait with confidence despite the situation. The word source here means person, place, or thing from which you something can be derived. Person, place, or thing from which something can be derived. And let me ask you today, what is your source of hope? What is it really? When you're waiting in silence and you can't fix it, what's your source of hope? Every year we go to a place called Little Eden as a leadership team at the church. And it's up in Michigan. And when we get there, there is one of my favorite things there is this artesian well. And it just flows water nonstop, right? And we've got a picture of it that we're gonna throw up on the screen real quick. And we will go and you, like when you're thirsty, you can grab a drink, you take your water bottle, you fill it up. People are stopping by, it's so weird. People stop by and they've got gallons and gallons of like those Culligan jugs, you know, that you put on your water cooler and they'll fill them up. And like people are talking about, this is the best water ever, right? And you're like, sure, it's the best water ever. And if you don't believe me, like there's a difference between good water and bad water, right? I think we can agree with this. If you've ever had water with sulfur in it that smells like eggs, it's not good water. You don't wanna drink that water, right? Like you're just like, if you don't believe me, try BA's water in the summer. It doesn't taste good, right? Um, but this water, it tastes really good and people are driving up. And here's what I've never heard. Well, hey, 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 be careful. There may not be enough for all of us here, right? No, because it's still flowing. I can't see where it's coming from. I can't see where it's drawing this water from, but what I know is that it has plenty to fill my water bottle. It has plenty to fill my life. It has plenty to fill all the coffee pot jugs and the different jugs that we bring, and it's still overflowing, and it's able to fill other things. And can I tell you, when the Lord is your source of joy, when the Lord is your source of hope, even when you're waiting in the silence, and you're seeing God move in other people's lives, and you're seeing him do things in other people's lives, can I 
I tell you, there's still plenty for you, right? He's not running out of his goodness and his kindness and his love. And there's still hope for you today, right? You may be seeing other people's answer, prayers get answered. You may see their hope becoming a reality. Hear me, don't get jealous, don't get mad, don't get upset because their prayer's getting answered, but still wait silently and let your source be him because you may not see any movement happening. I don't see any movement happening in that water where it's drawing from, but I know that there is water that is coming to that well and you may not see God moving, you may not see God acting, but just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not moving. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that he is not acting on your behalf. In fact, Hebrews 11 verse one says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Man, you may not see it, but it doesn't mean that he's not working on your behalf. John chapter four, verse 13 says this, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again, but no one who drinks the water I give will ever be thirsty again. The water I give will become in that person a flowing fountain that gives eternal life. He says this in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, the Lord will always guide you and provide good things to eat when you are in the desert. I love this. Even when you're waiting in silence, even when you're desert, even in your desert moments, he will always guide you and always provide for you. He will make you healthy and you will be like a garden that has plenty of water or like a stream that never runs dry. God has to be the source of your life. And hear me today, it's not about you working harder. Oh, that's an essential part of life. You gotta work hard, you need to work hard. But there's some things you can't work hard enough for to produce and to make happen. And the only way that happens is your source has gotta be bigger than you. Right, your source, if, if you're gonna truly have hope, hear me, your source has to be bigger than your problem. And some of us, our problem is so big, but can I tell you, your source, the place you are drawing hope from has to be bigger than what you are going through. When I bring that water bottle to the source of that well, that artesian spring, can I tell you, it has more water than I have the ability to contain or hold. And hear me, some of you, you are freaked out. Some of you, you are worried, you are anxious, you are stressed, you can't sleep, and you're shook. But can I tell you, your situation has not shook your savior. Your situation hasn't got God freaked out. He's not going, what am I going to do? I don't know how to handle this. It's almost like when you travel on a plane and you hit some turbulence. I love turbulence because everybody freaks out and I'm like, whoa, it's a ride, right? And everybody's like grabbing on like, oh, we're going down, we're going down. And what do you see what happens is the, the pilot gets on the intercom and I've never had a pilot do this. Everybody buckle up, we're gonna go down, we're gonna burn alive, right? No, 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 no. He's not freaking out. He says very calmly, um, passengers, if you will please, um, if you'll please buckle your belt, that's about what they sound like. If you'll please buckle your belt, we're getting ready to endure some turbulence and, and we're gonna get through this in just a little bit. Why doesn't he freak out? Because he's already been through turbulence that you've never been through. Right, and he's in control of the plane and you're not. 
And a lot of time our worry comes from that we're not in control. But when you entrust and your source is bigger than your problem, can I tell you, God's been through your problem way before you've ever gone through it. He knows how it's gonna turn out. It doesn't have him shook. It doesn't have him worried. So why would my heart worry? Why would I be uh, freaked out and shook when I have this savior, Jesus Christ, who has conquered death, hell, and the grave and is still conquering things on my half and for your behalf. Romans chapter five says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. I'm still working on that part. For we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Oh, I love that. That hope, your source will not lead you to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So if my only hope is in God, when I am waiting in silence, then I can have faith and confidence because I understand this, and it's our last point. God plus nothing equals everything. Right, this is the way God does math. I'm not good at math. But I know this, God plus nothing equals everything. Give me just a second. God, I tell you, God can do everything without anything. He is the everything maker. This means he created man from dust. He created the universe from nothing. And God can do everything without anything. In Romans chapter four, verse 17, I love this verse. My wife reminded me of this verse. This is such a great verse. It says, this is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God, check this out, who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Oh my Lord. Can I tell you, God creates new things and everything without nothing. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table, what you can or cannot do. If you got nothing going on in your life, if there's no hope, if there's no solution, can I tell you, God plus nothing means everything. It equals everything because he makes everything without nothing. And when I start remembering all that God has done before, when I start reading the Bible and I recall all that the Lord has done, I remember that God made Abraham and Sarah able to have a child at their old, old age of Abraham being a hundred and Sarah in her nineties. He made a womb come alive and his promise come forth at an old age when they thought they were missing out. He makes things happen out of nothing. He brought the Israelites out of Egypt with no help, right? He didn't need the Moses to part the Red Sea. In fact, he told Moses, Stand still and watch the Lord work on your behalf. Why? Because God plus nothing equals everything. Daniel in the lion's den, made, he's made the sun stand still for Joshua and the Israelites. He provided for the widow at Zarephath and the crossing of the Jordan River for Joshua and the Israelites. When, I, when Elijah was against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah didn't have a lot to do. He was outnumbered, he was outmanned, but God plus nothing equals everything. 
everything. Jesus healed the blind, he healed the deaf, he healed the leper, he healed the mute, and he healed the lame. Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood just by her touching the hem of his garment. He raised Lazarus from the dead three days later and brought Jairus' daughter back to life. He forgave the woman at the well and the woman caught in the act of adultery. He fed 5,000 people and 4,000 people with a fish sandwich, right? These saw the miracle of the crucifixion and there is still an empty grave that brought salvation for you, me, and the rest of mankind, right? Can I tell you, God plus nothing equals everything. And some of you may be saying today, but Justin, that's in the Bible. That was thousands and thousands of years ago. And yet right here in this place, I can point to you different couples that are sitting here, that their marriage was on the rocks and hanging by a string and they're healthier and they're better and they're closer than they've ever been. I can point to you addicts after addict after addict who was conquered by drugs, by alcohol, by pornography, and now they are free. Now they are serving and God is rewriting their story. I can point to you to lost people that have now become found people that wouldn't be caught alive in the church and yet they're serving and they don't miss a Sunday. I can point to you kids that they were praying for those kids to come back and the Lord brought back the prodigal. Hear me today. You may feel like you have nothing to offer. You may feel like there's no hope and you're waiting in silence, but you're at the perfect place because God plus nothing equals everything. All you got to do is hope. He makes new things from nothing. So let me ask, how are you doing at waiting? How are you doing? If we know this, it's easy to shout while you're not waiting in the silence. For all you that are waiting in silence, how are you doing at waiting? The writer of Lamentations, chapter three, set it up for just a second. The book of Lamentations is written after Israel has been destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. Israel is in rubble. Jerusalem, the walls have been broken down. It's a fraction of itself. And in fact, Jeremiah, at the very beginning of chapter three, if you go back and read it, he feels like God has forsaken him, that God's punishing him, they're like, there's no hope. And I think some of us, we've been there. Or I've heard people, you've heard people, well, if this is how God treats people that he loves, why would I follow him? You know, I thought God said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but there's a lot of things prospering right now, Justin. And you're waiting in the silence and why he is writing this, and as he's saying this, he says this in verse 21. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Some of you that are waiting in the silence, you need to hear that today. The steadfast love, it is just like that artesian spring. It never stops. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him, 
It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. When Jeremiah is saying, the Lord is my portion, he is saying this literally. He's saying, the Lord is my source, or the Lord is all that I have. And when he says, so I will put my hope in him, this word hope in the Hebrew actually means to look to him in confidence. So what the writer of Lamentations, what Jeremiah is saying is he is saying, the Lord's all I got. So I will put all my confidence in him. This isn't a hoping wish. This isn't a longing wish. This isn't hoping things get better or hoping that it turns out in an hour and a half. This is the cities in rubble. Everything's been destroyed. People have been taken hostage and are serving in Babylon. This is the context of that story. And he's in the moment of just a few verses before this saying, man, God's forsaken me. I have no hope, there's no desire. And yet he says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Sometimes we forget what we should remember and we remember what we should forget, right? And some of you, you need to remember the goodness of God. You need to remember that he is still the source of your hope. This is a message today. I'm preaching with you. Me and Casey right now are waiting in silence for an aspect of our life. Some of you, you may be like, oh, are you okay? Marriage-wise, we're great. Health-wise, we're great. So, so don't dive into the deep end. Let me just be transparent. There's something that's going on that we can't fix. And when I wait, here, here's how I wait. I don't talk about it. Because if I talk about it, then it feels real, right? If, if, that, that means I'm an avoider and I avoid my avoidance. <laughs> and, and so I was talking to Casey the other day and I go, hey, I just, I just don't wanna talk about this. Because if I talk about it, then it's real. And the gravity sets in. She goes, oh, I know. I go, I just don't want you to think I don't care. I care, but I just don't know how to fix this. And I'm sitting here waiting in silence and having to preach a message that I'm not living real well. And some of you, you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm waiting in silence and I don't, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how it gets better. And it, and it it's getting worse actually before it's getting better. And let me take us back to Lamentations chapter three. It's good for you to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. There are some things only the Lord can fix and can rescue you from. And so how I wait matters. I can gripe, I can complain, I can avoid it, or I can recall this to mind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And because that is true, the Lord is my hope. So to him, I look to it with confidence. The Lord is the source of where my hope, your hope comes from. So I can wait in silence and it's actually good for me to wait on the salvation of 
the Lord. And so to all my friends out here that you're waiting and the silence is deafening and it's not moving and nothing's happening and your heart's breaking and you don't know how to fix it, I get it, I understand, and I'm with you. And I would just encourage you, wait on the Lord. Because the word says this, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Man, keep leading me, Lord, because only the God, only your God can do that in the midst of your waiting. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. This morning, here's how I want us to, to spend this prayer time. Today, if you're in a place, you're waiting in silence. You just raise your hand right where you're at. Just right where you're at. You just you say, Justin, I'm waiting in silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's hands all over this place. God, you see every hand. You see every situation, every circumstance. And God, you are more than enough for all of us. Lord, nothing is too big. Nothing is too great. Nothing is too much for you. And Lord, there's moments we don't see you moving, but that doesn't mean that you aren't. Lord, there's moments our life meets turbulence and we freak out, but Lord, you're still guiding. You're you're still in charge of our life. And you're saying, just buckle up because we're gonna get through this. And so Lord, I pray today that we wouldn't look for hope in the wrong place, but Lord, that we would understand how we wait matters. Lord, there's still ministry to be done while we wait in the silence. And so I pray for that person that is hopeless today, for that person that is discouraged, for that person that is broken, The Lord, fear and anxiety is creeping in and dominating their life. Lord, I pray today that you would be their source, that you'd be their bedrock today. And Lord, just as Jeremiah said in Lamentations, that we would recall this to our mind, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. The Lord is my portion, so I will hope in him be the source of our life, be the source where we find hope and let us wait quietly on the salvation for you to rescue and to move and to work in our lives. Move, move and let us be patient and let us be quiet and let us be still for you to do what only you can. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.